0: what's up everybody and welcome to my first ever podcast i'm your host jenna valencia and i can't wait to get into our first topic of this season so today we're going to be talking about love but it's kind of broad kind of vague so let me be more specific today we will be answering three questions which are have you ever been in love Are phones hurting people's relationships? And what's the best way to heal a broken heart? So, first off, let's talk about love, you know? Like, let's get the general idea, the general feeling. So, when you Google love, and I know it's kind of silly, but like, you know, you gotta go off something. So, when you Google love... It gives you something like an intense feeling of deep affection or a great interest and pleasure in something. But, Richard Schwartz, an associate professor of psychiatry at Harvard, said, It's fairly complex, and we only know a little about it. There are different phases and moods of love, and the early phase of love is quite different. And then he goes in detail about, like, What in our brains triggers certain emotions, feelings, like actions, reactions to other people or other things. And I agree that that's part of it, or like one way to describe it. But I also think that there's more to it. So I found this quote that I really like, and it says, Find someone in your life that makes you feel like spring. Someone that when you look at them, you feel sunlight in your heart and in your eyes and in your veins and in your bones and you want nothing else but to love them for every moment that you're alive. And I think that this helps better describe love and that love isn't just admiring someone for their looks and their money and their body or their attention or affection that they give you. That's all just a bonus. That's that's what you get when you get that. But before that, I think love is more finding someone who's like your best friend. And all of a sudden, you fall in love with them and their personality. You fall in love with who they are and who they make you. And then to add on, you know, love is lifting each other up and putting in what's missing. Love is working your problems out instead of leaving and taking the easy way out. Love is when you love everything about that person, including their flaws or things that they hate about themselves. And lastly, love is when you can look at someone and feel super cheesy and happy and warm inside. Like, you fall in love with them again and again. And I may be a teenager, yes. But, and most teenagers don't really know what love is. But I've seen it, and I know some people who have felt it. Or felt like they've experienced it. For example, my good friend, Dario Solis, he's a high schooler. Um, I asked him this question, which again is, have you ever been in love? And he told me, and I quote, um, Yeah, or at least I thought until it was ruined. I dated this one girl freshman year, who my, who was my first girlfriend, I loved her so much, but then she did something and said things which broke us up. And after hearing this, which was a little heartbreaking, I had thought love all varies for different people. And some would say that maybe Dario probably was never in love. But at that time and age, that that's what love was for him. Love isn't limited to what you think it's what the person themselves think and feel and when you get older yeah you'll look back and be like man i was stupid but you know we live and we learn and so i think people can say that they have been in love next we're going to be talking about our phones hurting people's relationships now this could mean a friendship or it could mean a relationship with a significant other so personally i think that yes phones are hurting people's relationships especially in today's age and generation because we have social media and through social media a lot of things are seen or said or are unclear and that just starts ruining stuff and you know that's just one example Um, I was thinking that if someone's dating and they text each other constantly, they're really used to each other through text, and they probably have great conversations, that's nice, but when they meet up in person, it's not the same, and that's because something was ruined, you know, the social contact between the two was ruined, and now they don't know how to talk to each other and it's just kind of awkward and you're not really used to it and then you know maybe you start having your doubts or second guessing what's happening. But you know, that's just that's just one example. But you know, don't trust my opinion, trust research. So there's this thing called fubbing Now I know you're probably like, what's fubbing Sounds like a made up word. What's yeah. Trust me, I was the same way, but, you know, let me tell you about it. Fubbing is the practice of favoring our mobile phones over somebody else, which is kind of bogus, but, again, that's reality. According to a study, 145 adults fubbing decrease marital satisfaction. And what that basically means is that people who choose their phone over their significant other Lose the satisfaction that they have in their marriage or relationship. In addition, studies show having your phone out during a conversation interferes with your connection and the quality of the conversation itself. We don't get this habit out of nowhere. It grows on us. And as soon as people get a phone, they don't feel like they're missing out anymore. You know, they feel connected. They feel like they know what's going on, what's up, what's trending. And they couldn't be more wrong because we get too attached. And as soon as we become attached, we're constantly checking our phones or we're on social media posting every minute of our lives instead of living and enjoying the moment. However, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. Maybe phones in some way do help relationships. Because if you think about it, again, in today's generation a lot of people started using dating apps or social media to start finding each other, and some people have, like, fallen in love based off that, but I mean, other than that, I don't think there's really, like, a good defending or reasonable way to back up phones and relationships, so in the end, I think my opinion still stays, but, you know, I could be wrong, you know? Our last question that we're going to be answering is, what's the best way to heal a broken heart? So there's actually a couple ways and I'm just gonna be sharing them, the ones that I thought were best with you. So after getting an idea from people, I heard a lot of common things and one of them was time. Time heals your wounds. So there's not really any scientific research behind this But you can kind of connect it to other things. So, for example, when you break a leg or you get a cut or you're hurt, it's not going to heal right away. It's obviously going to take time because it's got to go through different phases until it's back to its normal state. And that's the same thing with people and healing a broken heart. When you're broken hearted, you feel a sort of emptiness inside, like you're missing something. And you're not gonna recover, you're not gonna be the same, but eventually you will. And that's why it takes time. You can't rush the proce- process, it just all happens on its own. Um, another thing I noticed was that people said that you should really talk to people or like distract yourself or f- surround yourself with family members. And it says that there's scientific proof that your support structure is good for your health and healing, that they not only distract you and support you, but they remind you that they'll always be there and that they'll be there through the phases of all your boyfriends and girlfriends until you hurt no more and until you find the one. And I honestly really agree with this because they were there from the start and they're going to be there till the end. And they know what makes you laugh, what makes you smile, what what makes you feel better, what you like, it's, they're just your number one fan, your number one support system, and that's honestly a really good way to help heal the hurt. Um, Another thing a person said was understanding acceptance, and this kind of goes with analyzing the past, because it helps recover when you think about what mistakes were made, who made them, what they were, why you did it, or why they did it, and noticing a lot of patterns so that way you don't repeat history, so that way you can finally be happy with somebody and just enjoy being in their company. Um, it also says, well, research says that maintaining friendships is a big no-no. And I'm not really sure how I feel about this. It all depends, I guess, on the person. But I see their point. Um, Research says that maintaining a friendship is a no-no because it delays recovery, which prevents someone from being truly happy with someone else. Now, maybe at the beginning of a breakup, you obviously really don't want to be friends with them. And that's perfectly okay. But, you know, maybe eventually, if you do feel like being friends with them, you can be. There's there's nothing wrong, and there's nothing saying that you can't be. But maybe in the beginning of the process of recovering, you should not be friends with your ex. Um, another thing that was said was three Fs, which were family, friends, and food. And speaking of food, there's not really any sci- scientific research behind this either. But it's said to eat healthy instead of eating junk food or comfort food. And it's said to eat healthier so that way you're not binging on a whole bunch of snacks and you gain a whole bunch of weight and then you're like physically hurting yourself. But at the same time, I feel like you could do both. You know, you could be sad and eat junk food if you want and then you feel like bouncing back and eating healthy and working out. That's great. You know, whichever way it works, you want to eat unhealthy, you want to eat healthy, whatever heals your heart. And then from there, just work on whatever you need to work on. And lastly, you know, let yourself cry. It says, science says tears contain toxins and that crying, you release those toxins from your body, which detoxifies and helps with a better recovery. And I honestly think this is true. Like, not even just with relationships. Like, sometimes when I'm stressed, I'll cry and that's like from a whole bunch of other stuff adding up too and after crying you feel so much better you feel like a less like there's less weight on your chest and so with that being said you know that's just one of the ways or one of the processes to help heal the heart and these were the top five that i really liked a couple were just not for my taste but you know maybe they could be for yours Well, that concludes our podcast. Thank you for joining in. I hoped you really liked it. And, you know, let me know what I can improve on or give me feedback or suggestions on what we should talk about next time. Until then, I'm your host, Jenna Valencia, and I'll catch you later.